pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. This is the day the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. What a last couple of days. Last month we had freeze again. This month we had storm again with wind again. And I don't know about you, but we're still feeling the effects of it. As of this morning, we still have no uh, electricity at the church therefore that's why i'm broadcasting over facebook live we can't meet person personally or in person uh because we need electricity to do that so thank god we have it at my house we just got it restored yesterday morning about seven o'clock or so and i thank god for these linemen and women and everybody else behind the scenes that work so diligently to get the job done and even brought in help from other states Appreciate that very much. Hopefully we'll have electricity Wednesday and we'll have our in-person services uh, back again on this coming Wednesday. Hallelujah. But one way or the other, we're going to make it. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. I believe the writer of Hebrews is the Apostle Paul, so that's who I'm going to refer to from time to time. But the Apostle Paul says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, him being God. God is the understood subject here. For he who comes to God must believe that he is God, and that he, God, is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's a powerful statement. That's a bold declaration. Paul said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's no other way to please God except by faith. Any other way will not work. It's impossible to please him without faith. And uh, he says, when you come to him, it better be in faith. And you need to be believing that he is God and that he does reward those who diligently seek him. In faith, I'm adding a few things here just for clarity, but what if you're just a casual seeker? What if you don't really care if you please the Lord or not? What if you're just not sure that he is and that he rewards those that diligently seek him? Then I think you'd be wasting your time in coming to him. And you know, as I was thinking about this passage of scripture and meditating on it, I started wondering some different examples in the word that I might be able to show you this morning that were actually like Paul is describing here in Hebrews eleven six, And the first one that came to my mind was the woman with the issue of blood. What an amazing story. What an amazing account of somebody that fits all the attributes of Hebrews eleven six. But then my mind went to Jairus also. So before we read about the woman with the issue of blood, I want to talk to you for a minute about Jairus. I mean, after all, Jesus was following this man to his home 
to lay hands on his little 12-year-old daughter because she was sick and, according to J. Iris, lying at the door of death. And so Jesus is on his way to J. Iris's house when he's interrupted by this woman with the issue of blood. But J. Iris was also a man of faith and a great example of someone who demonstrated all the virtues of Hebrews 11.6. Jesus' healing of the woman with the issue of blood happened as he was on the way to Jairus' house. So Jairus had enough faith to get Jesus to follow him to his house. As a matter of fact, Jairus received news right after Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood that there was no point in bothering the, the master any further because his daughter was now dead. She had passed away. Now all that meant to Jesus was that instead of healing his daughter, he was going to have to raise her from the dead. No big deal for Jesus, but how do you think that made J. Iris feel? But uh, can you imagine how he felt when he got the news that his, all, his daughter was already dead? I know what I would have been thinking, man, it's too late now. I wish he wouldn't have stopped and messed with this woman with the issue of blood and all the other issues she had because she told him all her story and he listened. And if only we would have just went straight to my house, my daughter would be uh, alive right now. But he didn't say any of that. But fear must have jumped all over him because Jesus immediately turned to him and said, Jairus, do not fear. Do not be afraid, but only believe. And so Jairus did the smart thing. He kept his mouth shut. God knows what he was thinking at the time, but he didn't speak it. And that's what counts. But in order for that to happen, Jairus' faith had to rise to another level. He really had to believe that Jesus was God and that uh, he was indeed a rewarder of those that diligently sought him, and uh, which obviously he did because his daughter was raised from the dead that day, and, J and Jairus and his wife received their daughter back. But I want to focus on the women with the issue of blood this morning because they gave quite a bit of detail about her in this story, and these, these two stories, the J. Iris, the healing of J. Iris' 12-year-old daughter and, of course, the woman with the issue of blood, they are forever linked together. I mean, all three gospel writers that wrote about the woman with the issue of blood also wrote about this incident with J. Iris. And uh, J. Iris should receive some recognition for the type of faith that he demonstrated as well. And that's why I wanted to mention him before we got into the woman with the issue of blood. I know for a fact that he had God-pleasing faith like Paul described in Hebrews 11.6. But the woman with the issue of blood also had this type of faith, and she really did believe that Jesus was God, and she really did believe that he was a rewarder of those that diligently sought him, and that's exactly what she did. And as I read about her, it was easy to see that she met all the requirements of Hebrews 11.6. And this account was so important that it was recorded in three of the four Gospels. The only one that didn't record it was the, the Apostle John, but he had a totally different uh, Gospel or account of the Gospel, let me say. But uh, these three Gospel writers, Matthew, Luke, and Mark, uh, they're known as the synoptic writers. In other words, they wrote pretty much the same things and witnessed the same things, but just wrote it from their perspective or their point of view, which made them a little bit different. Well, let's read it in Mark first. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. 
This is in the King James. It says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. I don't know what the connection is, but the little girl was 12 years old. But anyway, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. I know it was an issue of blood, but it was called a plague here. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power or anointing had gone out of him, turned him about in the press, in the crowd, and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee. How can you say, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And this is what I was talking about earlier. She told him a story. And Jairus is standing there listening and watching this take place. And I'm sure that it was really going through his mind. What are we doing here, Jesus? I told you my daughter's laying at death's doorway. But anyway, Jesus says to her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now that had to be God-pleasing faith because Jesus recognized it, Jesus felt it, and Jesus knew it. Now let's look at it in Luke chapter 8, verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. It stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. Power has gone out of me. Anointing has gone out of me. I perceived it. I felt it. I know it. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him. In other words, she gave her story and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. Now, you can tell that the gospel writers are telling the same story, but just from a different point of view. And then Matthew, finally, Matthew 9, chapter, or chapter 9, verse 20, he says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Now, we know Jesus is the healer, and that power and virtue went out of him into her and healed her. 
but he didn't take any credit for this. He attributed her entire healing to her faith. He said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. So our faith plays a big part in anything that we receive from God, especially when it comes to healing. And I don't know if you noticed it or not, but I seen this woman uh, had every one of the virtues listed in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And I know there's other people that's listed here in this 11th chapter, which we call the Faith Hall of Fame. Uh, there's other people there that also met all of these requirements. But she stood out more than any of them, to me at least. But I seen that faith that pleased God. And I seen someone that definitely believed that Jesus was God and that she believed that he was a rewarder of those that diligently sought after him. And I seen someone that expected to be rewarded by him for her diligence. But another thing that's interesting is the way that, that other people responded to the Lord's presence. Uh, people that didn't have the virtues described in Hebrews 11.6. People crowding him from every direction. He was being pressed on. And, and I never really had a picture of what that really looked like until I seen the same account in the, the movie series called The Chosen. I know I'm a little bit behind the time. It's been out for a couple of years, but my wife and I just started watching it uh, here recently, and we loved it. As a matter of fact, we're on our second time around watching it, and every time we watch it, we notice different things that we didn't see the first time. But I really enjoy that show. But anyway... I got an idea of what this really looked like in the movie series because they showed a very large crowd of people packed into a narrow street following after Jesus, pressing after Jesus. And they showed this woman how she had to fight and force herself through this crowd. Even got a little violent at times, but she made it to Jesus and she touched him. And I mean, people from all kinds of backgrounds, all different colors, creeds, and religions, and beliefs, and sizes, and uh, all thronging him, all pressing in on him, all trying to touch him, and yet not one of them received the, uh, a miracle, yet not one of them received a healing. And I'm just speculating here, but is it possible that none of them met the requirements that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6? I mean, they pushed, they shoved, they grabbed, they touched, maybe even pulled a little bit, and maybe even diligently, but none of them were rewarded. I wonder why. Maybe they didn't have God-pleasing faith. Maybe they didn't have any faith at all. Maybe they didn't believe that he was God and that he was a rewarder. Maybe they were just touching him out of curiosity. Maybe because of the things they heard about him. Maybe they touched him just to see if, hey, let's see if there's something to this. Let's see if this stuff really works. But that's not how you receive from God. That's not pleasing to God because there's no faith involved in that. But that's a lot like us at times. We come to church, we sing a few songs, raise our hands towards heaven, praise and worship uh, maybe even pray a little bit in his presence. And we know Jesus is present because he said that if only two or three gathered in his name, there he would be right in the midst of them. So we know he's present at all of our church services. And spiritually, 
spiritually speaking, because that's how things work in the New Testament believer. It's all spiritual. You know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still performing miracles. He's still healing. He's still delivering. He's still doing all the things that he did when he walked this earth. But now he does it via the Spirit, via the Holy Ghost. And so uh, everything we do has to be in the Spirit. Jesus is not walking our streets physically. We can't come up behind him in a crowd and touch him. But we can touch him any day of the week, any time of the day in the Spirit. He's made that available to us. But do we take advantage of it? I mean, spiritually speaking, in the service, in his presence, we're close enough to rub shoulders with him, close enough to touch him. But for some reason, we don't. We listen to pastor's sermon, or at least part of it, at least a few sentences of it. Shake a few hands and go out the door the same way we came in, unchanged. We had the opportunity, but we didn't touch him and nor did we allow him to touch us. Isn't it incredible how we can be in his awesome presence, just like those people in the streets of Capernaum that day, have an opportunity to touch him and be touched by him, but we go untouched. Nothing happens. You know, some of us would make some really good linebackers. If we could just take the skills of sliding through a church service without being touched or getting touched or touching somebody and then translate that to the gridiron or the football field, we'd set running records that would last for years, maybe forever. But that scene in the narrow streets of Capernaum that I've seen in the, or at least come alive to me in the series, The Chosen, where people were trying to touch Jesus as, is just as real as it is in the spirit realm today. We should be trying to touch Jesus in the same way. We should visualize us coming up behind him in the press, maybe from alongside, maybe just getting in the crowd with him and getting to the place where we could reach him and we could touch him and allow him to touch us. I mean, that's how it's done for us in the New Testament. If you have a visitation, Jesus comes down here, uh, manifests himself in the flesh again and touches you. Hey, that's great. But in the meantime, the only way that you're going to make contact with him is in the spirit. We seem to be so unaware of his mighty power. And maybe it's because we're too preoccupied with other things to notice that God wants to speak to us. God wants to touch us. God wants to bless us. God wants to heal us. God wants to perform a miracle in our life. He wants to at least move in our midst and make himself available for us to touch. But we don't. Have we come to the place where we're so familiar with the gospel and the Lord's presence in our services and in our life that it's become old or stale to us? You know, familiarity is a terrible thing. It will rob you of the blessings of God every time. The Lord was in his own hometown of Nazareth. And the Bible says because of familiarity, because those people were so familiar with him, being raised with him and seeing him from childhood on up, they got so familiar with him that the Bible says he could there do no mighty work save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. No mighty works. Why? 
Well, part of it was because of unbelief, but the unbelief came because of the familiarity. I know Jesus. I went to school with him. His father was a carpenter. They came to the house and repaired our kitchen chair. Uh, you know, I just can't get get into this stuff that he's the Messiah. He's the uh, miracle worker. He's the healer. Have we come to that place where we kind of think like that anymore? But anyway, one person out of this crowd... That woman with the issue of blood. Out of this crowd with all kinds of people, all kinds of problems, uh, comes this hopeless, discouraged woman that had tried everything to get well and nothing worked. Spent her whole living, spent all her money on doctors, and instead of getting even a little better, the Bible says she actually grew worse. Luke, the beloved physician, looked at her from a doctor's point of view, and, and, and he says none could heal her, and he's trying to be kind about it. But let's look at some of the things that made this woman stand out in that crowd, and just exactly what it was that got her healed when no one else was getting healed. Plenty of people touching him, plenty of people pulling on his garments, plenty of people crowding him, but nobody getting healed, nobody receiving a miracle, except this woman. And there's a reason for that. First of all, we have to recognize how determined she was to reach Jesus. And you know, determination is a real attribute of faith. She had to force her way through that crowd. And that had to be hard because of her weakened condition. I mean, she had a constant flow of blood. I don't know how she kept her strength up. I don't know how she didn't. Uh, uh, she sustained herself all those years. It had to be God sustaining her, perhaps even for this miracle. But it took all her strength, all her ability, all her effort, everything that she had to get to Jesus in that crowd. And I'm sure she used a little violence too. I mean, she looked pretty determined in the, in, in the movie. But the Bible tells us that her illness or disease being an issue of blood... And, you know, when uh, uh, Leviticus 17, 11, I believe it is, says that uh, uh, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So if your blood is flowing out, your life is flowing out. And if you don't stop that or staunch that blood flow, you're going to eventually die. That's why I said I'm amazed that she lived as long as she did. Maybe she just lost enough blood that she could replenish or, or, or at least sustain herself uh, and live 12 years with an issue of blood. I mean, it seems pretty impossible that somebody could even do that, but she did it. So that, that lends to some of the determination that this woman must have had. And you got you to gotta admire a woman with determination because you better not get in their way, I'll tell you that much. The Bible tells us that 12 years of this issue, and yet here she is in that crowd. She heard of Jesus. And you know, uh, Romans 17, 11 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I don't know everything that she heard, but she heard something. Maybe she heard the crowds talking. Maybe she heard people that had went and visited him and people that had touched him and that he had touched and heard their testimonies. But her faith is building. Faith is coming. She's hearing the word and faith is coming. Faith is coming until she's ready to explode with it. And again, she's a desperate but determined woman 
and she's out of options. She's at the end of her rope, and you don't want to mess with a woman like that. She's actually dangerous. Now, I'm all for doctors. You know that. I'm all for what they can do for us. But sometimes we give them a place that they shouldn't have. Sometimes we put all our faith in what they can do rather than in what Jesus can do. And doctors are wonderful. Medical science is wonderful. Technology is wonderful. Uh, people in the healthcare industry are wonderful. Uh, they all want the same thing. They want you to get better. And, and all of these things put together can relieve symptoms. Doctors can operate on you and remove diseased tissue. In some cases, remove a, a bad organ and replace it with a good one. That's wonderful. But they can't heal you. You know, I had back surgery a couple different times. And I'm a believer. I believe in healing. I preach it most of my life. And I was having a pity party and I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, why didn't you heal me? Why did I have to even go through this surgery? I thought you were the healer. And I tell you, he just spoke to my heart. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I could tell in my spirit. He told me, he says, you know that incision that was made in your back? He said, who do you think is going to seal it? Who do you think is going to bring that tissue and that skin back together permanently and, and you have the stitches taken out? Not the doctors, not the medicine, not medical technology. He said, they may have did some of the work, but he says, I'm the one that's going to heal you. I never questioned him again after that. Amen. Like I said, doctors are wonderful. They can do all kinds of things except heal you. Hallelujah. But sometimes we need to, you know, put some faith in the doctors, put some faith in the medicine, but put your faith in God for your healing. And maybe that's what she did. Maybe she had to get to the place where she was desperate enough to do that before she would actually turn to God. And maybe we need to do the same thing sometimes. Maybe we have to get to that place where we're desperate enough to turn to God. And, and, and usually we do that when there is no other options. Well, we know this woman was out of options. She tried everything. But then thank God she heard about Jesus. She heard that he was a healer. Have you heard it yet? Have you heard that he's a healer? If you know me, I know you heard it. If you spend any time around me, I know you've heard it. She must have heard about it. And she must have heard about all his miraculous works. Because there she was. Seeking him diligently. Knowing that he was God. Knowing that he was a rewarder of those that sought him diligently. And there she was in the crowd. And the Bible tells us. Like I said, faith comes by hearing. She had to be full of faith by this time. Her faith has, had been growing until she finally believed that she too could touch him and be healed. You know, Jesus taught his disciples in Mark eleven twenty three that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll have what you say. Maybe she heard about that teaching. Maybe somebody repeated it. Uh, maybe she... Uh, heard from somebody else what Jesus said to his disciples that day because she kept saying over and over if I could just touch his clothes if I could just touch the hem of his garment I'll be healed she must have believed it in her heart she was speaking it out of her mouth and Jesus said you'll have it if you believe it and speak it so she believed in her heart spoke with her mouth and kept going believed in her heart spoke with her mouth and kept going and, and we know she was a courageous woman 
because she believed Jesus would help her. And she wasn't going to let anybody hold her back. Even though she interrupted him as he was already on his way to Jairus' house to heal his sick daughter. I mean, after all, she had to know by the way, because by the way that he was dressed, that he was a prominent social leader in the synagogue. They wore a certain type of garment. They wore certain colors and stuff. So she had to know he was a man of, of uh, significance and social importance. I mean, the nerve of this woman. Or is that what faith really looks like in action? Maybe that was the nerve of faith that we've seen. Sometimes real faith has to be courageous and bold. And the Bible says after she heard about him, she reached out to him, came up in the press behind him, and, and forced her way through the crowd to do that. And the Bible says she came up behind Jesus. I don't know how she did it, like I said, but uh, we definitely know she made it because the Bible said she touched the edge of his cloak. And that word touch in the Greek is translated from a word that means to fasten onto or grab. So this is this wasn't just a little gentle touch. But that's exactly what faith does. It reaches out, it latches onto something, and it doesn't get and it doesn't let go. And she had to be totally satisfied after touching Jesus because she knew that she received what she was looking for. She knew she was healed. And Jesus knew in his spirit both what she needed and he also uh, knew her touch because he felt it. He felt virtue go out. All the hands that were on him, but he felt virtue go out of him when her hand touched him because she had a hand that was full of faith. Faith drew that from Jesus. Luke says Jesus noticed her. Mark said that he saw her. And we know Jesus didn't heal anyone else who touched him in that crowd. But he perceived her secret touch. How? Because it was the touch of faith. Faith that pleased God. So Jesus blesses her and says, Go in peace, which actually means go in lack of strife. So this woman was, I mean, she was stressed out. He knew that. He felt that. And he assured her that the affliction would not return to her with the words, be freed from your suffering, be whole of thy plague. And Pastor Ed and I claimed that scripture for myself, you know, having been healed of cancer. And we, we claim Nahum 1.9 and we say, this affliction shall not rise upon me a second time. And, and we claim this passage of scripture where he says, Be freed from your suffering, behold of thy plague. Go in lack of strife. But anyway, what have we learned from her? And for that matter, J. Iris as well. I mean, what do we learn from these stories? What do we learn from these lessons, these real life accounts of people just like us? We learn what God-pleasing faith looks like, number one. We learn that we have to believe Jesus is God. And we learn that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We've seen that in both of these accounts. And there's hundreds of other accounts where we can see these same attributes of Hebrews 11.6. And we also learn how Jesus honors our faith no matter how big it is or where it's at. Jairus' faith was in the laying on of hands. He said, come lay your hands on my daughter and she shall live. 
So that's where his faith was at, and that's exactly what Jesus was going to do. The centurion says, you don't have to come to my house. You don't have to lay hands on nobody. Uh, I'm a man in authority just like you're a man in authority. He says, all you have to do is speak the word. And Jesus spoke the word. He didn't go to the centurion's house. Why? That's where the centurion's faith was. Jesus touched his servant in the spirit, just like we get touched. And then the woman with the issue of blood, he met her right where her faith was. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. And that's where Jesus met her. And Jesus will meet you and Jesus will meet us, me, anywhere we're at. No matter how big or small your faith is, Jesus will meet us where it's at. Hallelujah. But anyway, you look uh, at it and we have to realize that Jesus is approachable under every circumstance. That's the other thing we learn. We can approach Jesus. He's an approachable God. He's a personable God. And we have to understand that Jesus always has compassion on everyone that comes to him, bar none. The Bible says he healed all that came to him. All. But the one thing that stands out to me above all else is that both of these miraculous healings here involved a physical touch. One touching Jesus and the other one being touched by Jesus. But either way, if you need something from Jesus, reach out and touch him. Let him reach out and touch you. I mean, I, you know, Pastor Ed always has this saying, I wish I could open the top of your head and pour this in. I don't know what you're getting. I don't know if you're getting it or not. I pray you are. I pray you understand that we touch Jesus in the spirit. When that veil was rent in the temple from the top to the bottom, he gave us full access to the throne room of God. He said, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And, and mercy and grace always allude to healing. And he made that available to us. And, and we need to go into that throne room and touch that grace, touch that mercy, get what we need from God. He wants to heal us. He wants to touch us. And like I said before, we can't, you know, we're not going to meet him on the streets. We're not going to meet him on a, na a narrowing street in our neighborhood and touch him physically, touch his clothes physically. We have to go to him in the spirit. But when we do, he's always available and he'll always be there to allow us to touch him to receive the healing or the miracle that we need. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, I tried to show them this morning that you're a touchable God, a personal God, a loving God, a God that sticks closer than a brother, a friend. We have a friend in Jesus. And I pray for everyone here this morning within the sound of my voice and everyone that listens to this video later, because I know not everybody had the opportunity to listen to it live. But I pray that every one of them that needs a healing or a miracle this morning will make contact with you. And God, I pray that you touch them as you always will, as you always do. And I pray, God, that you create a miracle in their life. God, that you manifest the healing that they need in their lives, God. I pray that you impart the anointing into him, just like it was 
imparted into the woman with the issue of blood. Just like it was imparted to Jairus's, well now dead daughter, but it raised her from the dead. That anointing is a tangible anointing, a powerful anointing. And God, we know you haven't changed. You're the same yesterday and today and forever. You are Jehovah God and you change not. So if you were healing then, you're healing now. If you were performing miracles then, you're performing miracles now. Only difference is we reach out and touch in the spirit. If you're in need this morning, reach out and touch Jesus. Touch him in the spirit. I promise you he'll meet you there. I promise you when you seek him, you will find him. So reach out this morning and touch him and be touched by him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I preach myself happy this morning. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. And hopefully we'll see you in person in, in our church building on Wednesday. If not, we'll figure out a way to come to you again uh, via Facebook Live or something like that. And uh, if not Wednesday, by next Sunday for sure. Praise the Lord. Pray for those line workers. Pray for those people that are working behind the scenes tirelessly to get our electricity back on. Uh, show some appreciation for them. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.